Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. <laughs> Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Well, Sid, I didn't know that three-year-olds could be depressed, but that's certainly what we've got on our hands. Well, unfortunately, that's true, Justin. We we've t- tried our best. Yeah, we've tried to make up for it, but it is not working. We no, took our with do- all, the, all the usual three-year-old tricks, like popsicles. Poofs, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Uh, we took our daughter to Disney World for the first time, and we didn't know if she would, like, be crazy about it or not. Um, we didn't know if she was old enough yet. To really enjoy it. Um, but we took her, and, well, she loved it. And That's now, the good news. That's the, that's the, Let's start with the good news. The, the good, good news, news is she loved, she loved it. it. She the, met all the princesses. She yeah. loved it. The bad news is that we sometimes will just find her crying, and we'll ask what's wrong, and she'll say... Our house isn't Disney World. She wants to live at Disney World now. Right. And that is, as a parent, like, I can't. I mean, obviously, there are um, roughly 40 people that live in Bay Lake that are Disney employees. No, we can't go through all of the Disney. Bay Lake is a city town. I mean, it's owned and operated by Disney, but they do have a municipal government with a duly elected mayor and all the regular Mm -hmm. things, except they basically rubber stamp the things that Disney wants. I have heard this several times. Justin Lake Buena Vista a, is also obsessed with Disney World minutia. I just think it's an interesting history. story. It's fascinating. There's no place like it on Earth. Anyway, um, she's really depressed because she wants to go back to Disney World. So I don't know how we're going to make that happen, but I guess we legally have to now at this point. Well, we can go back. I mean, we can legally make that happen, mm-hmm. but I don't think living in Disney World is going to. Um, we've learned. Know. We've learned some things. That will help us uh, along the way. One is we don't want to stay at the resort that is literally a hundred thousand miles yes. away from Disney World. We will try to avoid that. Yeah. And two, it, it was probably a good idea uh, recently that we went to Disney World and not Disneyland. Why is that, Sim? Well, because as you may have heard, uh, unfortunately, Disneyland, which is in California, in Anaheim, Correct. I believe. Has had an outbreak, not in Disneyland, I should say, but people who went there, among them, there has been an outbreak of Legionnaire's disease. Okay, now, sometimes I have some base familiarity. I have to admit that I know literally nothing about what you're talking about. Do you even know why it's called Legionnaire's? I don't know what it is, so that would be very impressive if I knew what it was, how it was called that. That's good. That's a good jumping off point for me, because I kind of assumed everybody already knew this story, but I think that's the kind of assumption you make. 
when you're you when you're a nerd right. okay, <laughs> when, you're yes. a, when you're a medical history nerd who is immersed in the world of medicine all the time and goes well i mean doesn't exactly. everyone heard this story exactly. one of the oldest most well-known beloved fables medicine <laughs> uh so I'm going to talk about Legionella and, and the disease it causes, one of them, Legionnaire's disease. Uh, thank you to those who have recommended this topic. Sid, not me. Other Sid. Alternative Sid. Different parallel not universe. Parallel, parallel universe me, Sid. Chris, Emily, Claire, and Stefan. Uh, this is, I would say this isn't one of our usual topics on Sawbones. It is medical history. It is, a, I think, a really cool story. It's not really one where we mess up too much okay good so that's kind of nice a nice refreshing change of pace everybody needs a little light yeah in their sawbones then it's it's a lot more modern too so we you know we don't get to like feature plenty of the elder or any weird you know poultices in this one right uh so our story actually starts in 1968 in pontiac michigan oh Okay. As most stories do. All the greatest medical fables. <laughs> uh, there was an outbreak of some sort of febrile illness that occurred largely among people who worked at a local health department. Uh, and then some some people who had visited the health department, who didn't work there, but who had been there recently, also developed the illness. It was a fairly mild febrile illness. Febrile meaning they got fevers. Right. Fevers, body aches, felt unwell. Kind of what we'd think of like now as a a viral syndrome, we would say. Okay. You know, no. It's kind of puny. Yeah. Got sick. Got better later. It was a strange there it is, outbreak. Folks. That's illness in a nutshell. <laughs> there you have hopefully. it straight from the pros. I mean, hopefully that's the, that's the end. Uh, got sick, got better later. But nobody was sure what it was. It was very interesting because they couldn't pin it on a flu or a cold or any other kind of illness that was going around. So they called it Pontiac fever. Very dramatic. Yeah, well, Pontiac, Michigan. Sounds like a Pontiac ad. Pontiac (laughs) fever. This Labor Day weekend, we've got a Pontiac fever. To be fair, they've got... Pontiac fever is not like the best ad anyway. No. I no. mean, it's not the most it's original. Not, it's not certainly. the greatest tagline. But anyway, nobody knew what caused it. And so that was it. Now we fast forward a little bit in history to 1976. So we're in Philadelphia. It's a hot summer. Okay. Okay. It's July. It's hot. We are at the Bellevue Stratford Hotel. It's like the. I feel transported. Yeah, it's a beautiful old hotel. They call it like the the Grand Dame or something. It's a very well known. I think like almost every sitting like modern American president has visited it or wow. something to that effect. Anyway, very famous hotel. Uh, and in this particular point in history, the American Legion is holding their annual convention there. Uh, okay. I can kind of see where we're going. You see where we're headed a now? A little bit, get yeah. Little there. So, uh, and it's and it's a very exciting year. It's the bicentennial. Oh, yeah. But he's feeling very patriotic. Huge. There are more than 4,000 members of the American Legion there to, mm-hmm. to do whatever you do at an American Legion meeting. I don't know. I really, I honestly... I talk... About our, the... America. The, how the Legion is going. In Legion. <laughs> I'm not sure. Are there hats? I think there oh, are hats. Oh, yeah. Definitely hats. 
Uh, so they so they were all present and it was very hot outside and many people were relieved to be staying in the luxury of the Bellevue Stratford I'm Hotel. Sure, yeah, a hot day. What, what better way to beat it than luxuriating in an air-conditioned hotel? Exactly. Ice-cold, air-conditioned hotel. Uh, and, and so everybody's in a great mood. Everybody has a great meeting by all accounts, whatever you accomplish, whatever you seek to accomplish. They're wild about the Legion. (laughs) They're all pumped up about Legion activities. They, they, they accomplished this, these, these goals and they all headed home and everybody was happy and everything seemed to have gone great. Except at this point, several days later, a strange illness begins to occur. It's Legionnaire's disease, isn't it? Is Are you right? ruining it already? Uh, sorry. Jumping ahead. Sorry. So a strange illness begins to occur among people who were present at the meeting. And then a couple people who weren't actually legionnaires, but who were around for some reason. Uh, and and in some cases, this becomes quite severe. This is no Pontiac fever. This is a severe pneumonia that begins to develop. People become very ill. They were having fevers up to 107. Whoa. They were hospitalized. And unfortunately, in some cases, people even begin to die. Holy crap. Uh, all in all, we when we look back, there were around, and these numbers, every source I looked at, they were slightly different. There's somewhere around 200 cases. I've seen like 189 and 221 both quoted with similar frequency, but one way or another, there were around 200 cases. And again, the number who actually who actually died from the outbreak, somewhere between 29 and 34, I've seen cited. One of the epidemiologists who actually was around at the time says 34, so I feel like that's probably... That's where I would go with. Probably right. But anyway, about that number. So as you can imagine, people began to panic because sure, it seemed yeah. to be kind of random. Everybody went home from this convention to their families, to their hometowns, wherever that may be. And even though you swear to each other, hey, listen, this year we're definitely going to keep in touch. I had such a chill hang with you at the Legionnaires meeting. They didn't necessarily, so they weren't like looped in with each other. No, no. The only, actually, the only way they began to, they noticed that it was an outbreak and not just a bunch of random cases of pneumonia. Uh, There was one physician who had three patients who lived in the same area went to this convention, came back, and all got sick with similar symptoms. And so that physician was the one who actually put it together and then reported it and said, I think there's something going on. And then they began to link all the cases together. And this, of course, caused a panic. Of course. uh, Because it seemed mysterious. Nobody knew why people were getting sick. It didn't spread like you uh, think of an outbreak. Hmm. The people's families weren't getting sick. Hmm. So it wasn't necessarily people you were around. Right. So it seemed random. Um, there had been an outbreak of swine flu earlier that year, and everybody was very worried about that coming back. On their minds, yeah. That, that was on their minds. Uh, parrot fever, which we've talked about before, <laughs> yeah, was was something that was prominent at this point in history. So there were a lot of things. And I also saw mention that Michael Crichton's Andromeda strain was popular. To be fair, I checked that out. That was 1969 when that was published. So we're like a few years past. Yeah. I think there was a, but wasn't the, there was uh, the, the, the Omega Man? Maybe. But the, the but Omega anyway. Omega Man was out around, around that, that time period. Well, Omega Man was 71. I just looked it up, so. But know. there, there were rumors flying everywhere. People began to think, was this some kind of an attack? The point being that everybody was freaking out. There were all these rumors. Was it an anti-war activist attack? Was there, was this a poison? Was this a toxin? 
Some people thought it was radiation. Sure. I think Bob Dylan wrote a song about it. Okay. Legionnaire's disease. Okay. Uh, Not the, one of his biggest hits, I'm assuming. The hotel ended up closed out of fear uh, for a while, for like two because years. Because they thought something was... Coming from the hotel. you in there somehow? Yeah, something was coming from the hotel. The, the CDC launched uh, what was the largest investigation in its history. Uh, 20 epidemiologists were sent to the city, which sounds very dramatic, but I mean... And I mean this with all the love in my heart, like 20 epidemiologists. It's not like, you know, like Ocean's Eleven. Not, right. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I love you, epidemiologists. I think you're very cool, but. Yeah. Know, but look who you're talking to. Right. Uh, so anyway, researchers spread out all over Pennsylvania. They traced where all the attendees went were from and, and went to their houses if they, they were sick and cool interviewed maps them with the string on it they think? did they had maps with pins cool for cases yellow Love for that. cases red for deaths um they interviewed everybody about their symptoms every move during the convention how many times did you ride in an elevator did you eat breakfast and where who was your roommate all that stuff extensive histories they checked everything kitchens ice machines toothpicks uh, cooling systems. They crawled around in air ducts. Everything to try to find the source. The of source of this illness. Now, was it a persistent thing, or I guess, or was it just like this one outbreak? Like it wasn't like it was a it was a self limited outbreak. It seemed to be that there was a there was a limited number of people who got sick. Now they didn't all get sick at the exact same time mm -hmm. because, as we'll learn, the incubation period is somewhat varies from person to person. But they all got sick. And then they either got better or didn't, and that was it. And it did not continue to spread from there. Huh, so okay. it wasn't like something they were trying to contain. It was more a mystery to solve. Okay. Uh, think about it more like uh, from the perspective of a murder has occurred and we need to solve it. Oh, that kind of. And we need to call no. the greatest detective, oh, Hercule no. Poirot. Oh, I shouldn't have even said that. Look at his <laughs> green eyes shimmer, Sydney, as the case begins to come to him. He uses his little gray cells. Order and method. So the illness uh, was it was this was this was highly covered by the press, as of you course. can imagine. Yes, yes, the press was all over this. There were like Time Magazine cover articles. I mean, I mean, like For, the Time Magazine cover was about the search was about the epidemiologists. Hmm. They were kind of rock stars. I guess, yeah. Why they were let them have cool. this, Sydney? You're trying I'm, to tear I'm them gonna, down. No, I just I, it sounded very dramatic. Like the CDC launched the biggest investigation in its history, sending twenty epidemiologists. To the city of Philadelphia. Anyway, it was it was considered this this big, cool mystery they were trying to solve. Um, most of the press started referring to the illness as Legionnaires' disease because it was happening the to American Legionnaires. Legionnaires, yeah. Uh, some started to call it things like the killer fever, or the Philly killer. Boring. Phil, okay, better. Philly killer. Philly killer's a little Philly better. killer drips off the trips off the tongue a little bit better, but. Uh, but it was very dramatic. Everybody was very scared. And researchers were not immediately turning up many results. Mm -hmm. They they had not figured it out. So this even le actually led to like a congressional uh, hearing. They had to like testify before Congress as to why they hadn't figured this out. Okay. And what was going on and where were they in their investigation? I wow. Mean, people were taking this very seriously. Yeah. Which, again, it does seem kind of strange considering that it was a self-limited thing. It wasn't like continuing to spread. Um, but, but people wanted to know what happened. Uh, 
And at one point, one of the leading epidemiologists actually kind of made the public comment, we might never know what caused this. And people did not like no, that. You no, you can't leave us hanging. No, no one no liked way. that answer. Um, that was very, I like that. It's a very honest science answer, but people don't like that. So amid all this public pressure and criticism, a microbiologist named Joseph McDade was taking a night off, hanging out at a Christmas party. This is how long this has been going on, by the way. This happened in July. We're now at Christmas. He's like the hero, right? He'd be like played by Josh Brolin in the movie. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yes. And he's uh, he's hanging out at a Christmas party and another guest, we'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt and assume that maybe he'd had one too many glasses of champagne or something, starts kind of giving him crap and saying like, hey, CDC, you guys are really great, huh? You and all your epidemiologists, you're really cracking this case. Uh, It starts to give him a hard time. And this must have gotten to him because uh, shortly after Christmas, McDade decides to skip his vacation and just lock himself up in the lab to follow up on some hunches he's had. So they have all these samples, right? They've collected all this stuff from both the hotel and from patients. They've gone to visit all these people who were sick and got probably samples of every bodily fluid that they could find and even had like slides of their lung tissue had gotten samples of their lungs and put them on slides to look at them under a microscope to look for the the culprit yeah Yeah. to look for germs so he started re-examining all the evidence and going through it and this this took a while but he finally noticed a bacteria that he hadn't really noticed before and he started to compare samples and he found it in multiple cases, and they called the bacteria Legionella pneumophila. Kind of just like taking the lead from the press. The legionnaires, yeah. Legionella. So there you go. Um, and we finally had the culprit. Uh, it, it's interesting because they looked back. This bacteria had actually been isolated before. They had slides of this on record at various like government health organizations, but. It was thought to be something that only affected animals and didn't have any clinical significance. So we'd had the culprit all along. We had it. We were so close. We had him right where we wanted him. Kaiser uh, Susie. That you know what's funny is they never actually were able to find the source in the hotel, um, despite what I'm going to tell you was the air conditioning system. They weren't ever actually able to isolate it, despite the fact that, like I told you, they were crawling around up there swabbing all those ducks mm-hmm. um, because it had been cleaned prior to all of the investigation being launched because people were sick. Oh. So they already cleaned everything. The perfect getaway. <laughs> the perfect crime. In and out. But the, but the, the prevailing disease theory, has been Ocean's Eleven this whole time. They actually even isolated it to a specific air duct that they think that was responsible that um, both... Uh, filtered out into the lobby where a lot of where where pretty much all of the people had been at some point in the lobby and then also onto the street outside Mm -hmm. which is why there were a couple cases among people who hadn't actually been attendees Hmm. so and it was probably because it was spraying little droplets of air onto the street outside as well grody onto the onto the sidewalk so so I got to hear more. Certainly this isn't the end of the Legionnaire story. It's not. But before I tell you the end of the story, let's go to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier 
than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to. Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool. Think of it as the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts. And that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I'm eating filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're going to talk about pancakes smoothies they got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious and the meals you just eat and eat there's no prepping cooking or cleanup get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week you're going to get exactly what you want no surprises here uh and the meals i can say are delicious so what do you got to lose head on over to factormeals.com sawbones 50 and use code Sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code Sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash Sawbones50 to get 50% off. Okay, Sydney, I need more Legionnaire's disease. Okay, so they figured it out, right? Yeah. We have finally, we found the bacteria. We know what caused it. It was one that we had in our grasp all along, and we just hadn't pieced it together. And then those brilliant epidemiologists did it. I feel really bad about what I said about the epidemiologists now. You got to let it go. I know. I wanted to be one for a long time. I kind of shifted gears. But I can I get that out there? I really admire epidemiologists. That's no, that's wonderful. They're like they're like scientific Sherlock's and they're brilliant. And anyway, I just needed to say that. Great. I love epidemiologists. So they were able to go back and figure out that there had been past outbreaks of Legionella uh, that had occurred that they just didn't know that's what they were, right? Oh, they, because they we were, didn't have, we, we didn't, yeah. We, we weren't able to isolate the bacteria. Well, now we did. So now we could figure things out based on symptoms and pattern. And in addition to the fact that sometimes in outbreaks, they would collect blood samples and then hang on to them 
blood samples, body samples, spit samples, whatever samples they could get, and then hang on to them in the lab in case maybe someday we'll crack this case, right? Mm -hmm. One of those cases that they cracked is the Pontiac fever case. They had old samples, they analyzed, they found the Legionella bacteria in there too, which is why Legionella, the bacteria, can cause two distinct illnesses, Pontiac fever, okay, as well as Legionnaire's disease, Oh, same bacteria, just slightly different presentations depending on what gets what gets infected. Right. Um, In addition, they also cracked an old case from not that old, just a couple of years before 1974, where three people had died after a meeting at the the same hotel. Wow. There was a meeting at this exact same hotel in 1974 of the Independent Order of Oddfellows. The IOOF. Yes, and three people had died after that meeting, and they went back and realized that that had been also an outbreak. Uh, but they had just been the sitting there dormant the whole time. Uh, probably the ducts had been cleaned in between. Okay. Wow. I mean, otherwise, like, why did you have an outbreak in 74 and then an outbreak in 76 and nothing well, Why between? did it? Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, but, like, why was it happening? Why was... Like, why at the same place would it happen twice? Uh, it probably has to do with how often they were cleaning these systems ah all right so there you go i'm sure they're very clean now i am not throwing oh yeah you think after the 30 people died there they're probably real good about duck cleanliness at this hotel (laughs) i think it's like a hyatt now okay so i don't think it i don't think it has the same name i think it's it's some sort of hyatt okay uh but anyway, no, it's, it's quite that? clean. I haven't Googled something in a long time on the if show. If you want to Google it, you can. I didn't know if you wanted to tell everybody what the Independent Order of Oddfellows was. Um, or just let everybody look it up for themselves. Uh, you can fill everybody in if you want. There is a building that says, I, I only know about it because there's a building um, uh, called the, uh, there's a building labeled IOOF downtown. And I got curious about it one day because I'm a curious young man. Well, let's just let everybody Google that just, and figure it out. Just Google it. Because I, I did. Because, I mean, it's an interesting name. Mm-hmm. You come across, you don't come across names like that all the time. Uh, so here's the thing about Legionella. Hyatt at the Bellevue. There you go. Uh, Legionella likes fresh water. So it can live out where there is fresh water, out in ponds and lakes and whatnot, mm-hmm. right? And they typically live inside little protozoa, like amoebas and things like that. The bacteria actually live inside of them. They have like a symbiotic relationship. Is that creepy? Does that bother you? I don't like symbiotic relationships. So so they're just out there. Except ours. But other than that. But they can also... Although ours is really more parasitic. I've kind of just like leached onto you and... Oh, that's not true. I don't think that at all. We're definitely in symbiosis. I I edit the show, I guess. But uh, they can they can grow in man-made water sources as well. So like air ducts, like air, apparently. like air conditioning systems, like cooling towers, showers, faucets, hot tubs, fountains, hot water heaters, plumbing systems, anything like that. Legionella can grow in. This is tripping me out. Yeah, there's a lot of places there, with water, Sidster. Have you thought about this? I know there's lots of places with water. One of the places that gets a lot of press are hot tubs. Oh, yeah. I think I've actually heard that before. Yeah. So that. Legionella in connection with hot tubs. Now, this is not. Wouldn't it cook them, though? It seems like they get hot enough that it. They like warm water. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. But it gets really hot, though. It doesn't get hot enough to kill them. Uh, I'd have to get like over 140, I guess. Right? Pro- Wouldn't that pro- do it? I, uh, I don't know exactly what temperature kills Legionella. Oh. I know they like warmer water. 
Different different bacteria have different thresholds. Of course. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yes, at 140 is a general. I mean, you're thinking of like boiling the water. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like a generally good idea, but I don't want to. I don't know what it's temperature. Not boiling exactly. hot water, what it is it? That's silly. No, you are a hot tub is not boiling hot water. You would the die. Bubbles are from the jets. Right. Got it. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Let's say some other science. So hot hot tubs are not like the biggest source of Legionella, but when it happens, I think it's scary, and a lot of people have hot tubs, so you you hear a lot about mm-hmm. it. Um, you you can get it from being in the hot tub but you can also get it from just being around the hot tub which is i think what makes it especially scary because what it is is so you know how when you're in a hot tub and it's like there's all that like mist coming up from the hot tub as all those bubbles are you know bubbling around and popping around you and all that so you're inhaling some of that okay you're never going to want to go in a hot tub again when you start thinking about this. I'm so not you're inhaling a big fan of anyway, some so. of this like sweaty, sweaty bubble. The air. sweaty bubble air is you're just like in you're inspiring this into okay. your airways and your lungs. Okay. And so if I don't feel inspired, if there is bacteria clinging in those little water droplets, mm-hmm. you're also inhaling that. So that happens Ugh. if you just walk past a hot tub. I mean, if you get close enough. So to I can't even tub, get close to hot tubs is what you're saying. I'm saying that it's possible if the hot tub has not been properly cleaned. For instance, 140 people at a Dutch flower show got it from just walking past these spas that were on display that had not been cleaned. There have been cases of people in like showrooms, like going to places where they sell hot tubs mm-hmm. and they just like walk by the hot tub and then people get sick because the hot tubs aren't being cleaned regularly and so they get cases of legionella as a result there is a way there there's the cdc has issued like guidelines on how to care for hot tubs they're very easy to find if you have a hot tub and this is scaring you now like go to the cdc website and look up hot tub care there's a whole like handbook on legionella Mm. and hot tubs you just have to clean it and keep it at a certain pH and the Legionella won't grow. So wait, if there's if there's a source of it and a bunch like say there's a source of it like a hundred people walk by it, is it is everybody gonna get it? No. That's a great question. So it it actually it, like specifically that case I mentioned where hundred and forty people got it, I think the attack rate that they that they client that they called was like point two percent. So okay. of people who walked by it, 0.2% got sick, mm-hmm. which is pretty low. Yeah, um, all things considered. The reason being that not everybody who is exposed to Legionella is going to get it. It's largely people who we would kind of think of at um, more vulnerable populations. So um, people over 50 are more likely smokers or people with any kind of underlying lung disease. So like COPD, emphysema, chronic bronchitis, that kind of thing are more likely to get it. People with diabetes, um, any kind of reason that you might have a compromised immune system. So because you have cancer, you're on some kind of cancer treatment or you have an immunodeficiency, anything like that, kidney disease, liver disease, that kind of thing. Okay. So for most people who don't have any underlying illness or younger, Um, You probably won't get it. Probably. More than likely, you'll be fine. Um, And and as I already mentioned, it can't spread from person to person. Um, There's been one reported case of transmission from person to person ever. Generally speaking, it cannot be transmitted from person to person. You have to inhale it yourself. How uh, how will I know if I have it or not? So the symptoms are similar to a lot of pneumonias. You get cough, you get shortness of breath, fevers, chills, body aches, headaches. You might get some nausea, some diarrhea. Uh, confusion is actually reported a lot with Legionnaire's disease. Um, but a lot of it is like a, a pneumonia. 
you know, you mm. probably would go to the doctor because you would feel like you have pneumonia. You'd be mm. pretty sick. Like I mentioned, the fevers can get really high. Right. Um, the symptoms usually start a couple days after exposure. So fairly quickly, although it can be a little longer, most of the time the symptoms start pretty quickly. Um, and like I said, you can also get from that same bacteria, Legionella, you can get Pontiac fever, which is the same illness without the pneumonia. Okay. So you don't get a sick. Um, Pontiac fever generally does not require treatment. Oh, good. If you get that version of it, you'll get, like I said, you get sick, you get better. You may not even necessarily go to the doctor. Uh, I would probably want to go just to make sure I don't have Legionnaire's disease. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you might not get sick enough to think you need to go to the doctor. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, I understand. Yeah, you wouldn't know you had it. Um, I guess I could just tough it out, but... Well, while Legionnaire's, you will get sick enough to go to the doctor. You will need antibiotics for this, um, which we do have antibiotics that treat it very effectively nowadays. And um, and we did it. We did when this happened. It's just people didn't know what they were treating, but right. we did have antibiotics then too that worked. Um, and then supportive care. I mean, some people, if they get sick enough, might need ventilator support or IV fluids wow. or all kinds of things. But um, but the, the sad thing about Legionnaires is that one in 10 people with Legionnaires can die. So the, the fatality rate if is not- If left untreated or- Just period. It's a Yikes. serious illness. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So, I mean, and certainly our rates are better now than they used to be now that we can identify it faster- um, and then when you, and with some specific outbreaks, they'll have only like 1% mortality rates as opposed to this. But the, the point is it can, you need to take it very seriously. Okay, I will do. Uh, the world's largest outbreak, because it has happened since then. I mean, we've had isolated cases Naturally, periodically yeah. ever since then. The world's largest outbreak occurred in Murica, Spain in July 2001. And there were 449 confirmed cases, although it was estimated there may have been up to 800. Wow. Just not all were confirmed. Like I said, not everybody always gets tested and proven right away. They right. Get, you know, um, it still happens, of course, in the U.S. There were about 6,000 cases reported in 2015. But again, it's underreported. People don't test for it. They treat you with antibiotics because you have pneumonia and you get better and you never knew you had Legionnaire's disease. Mm. That kind oh, of thing. Yeah. Because you do have pneumonia. So mm -hmm. you get treated. Um, so it may be as many as 18,000 cases a year. Dang. It's estimated. And it usually happens in the summer and early fall. And as I mentioned, in Disneyland this past month, they have had an outbreak of Legionnaires that uh, led to the closing of two cooling towers mm -hmm. uh, in part of the park. Um, so far, and I saw this update from like three hours ago, uh, there have been 15 cases reported. Um and 11 of the people had actually gone to Disneyland. So some of them had were in Anaheim, but had not actually been in Disneyland. They were just hanging around in hot tubs. Maybe. I don't know. How could that be, though, if they were not there? I don't know. I mean, I, I think they're, I, this, is still, this is still unfolding. All they know is at least the majority of the people who got sick had definitely been to Disneyland. They traced it to these two cooling towers, which were tested and did, in fact, have elevated levels of Legionella inside them. But we're not so sure that is a fact. exactly what's happening. But we're not sure all exactly. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and those two cooling towers have been closed down and cleaned and they're going to retest them. And if they're OK, they're going to reopen them, is my understanding. All right. Well, that's something. So. Um, so they got under Disney's got it locked down. Like of they've course. got it under control. Mickey's going to go up there and clean them himself. That's how um, he does it. I don't think that happens. Uh, folks, that's going to do it for us this week. We hope you've enjoyed yourself. I want to thank the taxpayers for the use of their song, Medicines, as the intro and outro of our program. Hey, uh, we're going to be at PodCon uh, December, I think, 9th and 10th. Is that right? 8th and 9th? Is that what that Saturday? I should, I should make sure. I'm going to be there 
Uh, it's ninth and tenth. Yes, confirmed. Ninth and tenth <laughs> in Seattle, Washington, at the Washington State Convention Center. Um, it is going to be really fun, and a lot of great shows are going to be there. Still buffering, Sawbones, my brother, my brother, and me. Welcome to Night Vale. Ninety-nine uh, percent invisible. So many great shows. You're mm-hmm. going to go wild for it, and uh, you can get tickets right now. Just go to podcon.com. And uh, that's December 9th and 10th. So, you know, check that out. So come see our shows. Come see our shows. And uh, thank you to you so much for listening. That is going to do it for us. But uh, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out. And until next week, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Oh, sorry about that. Just had to dispatch some goons real quick. Hi, I'm April Wolf, lead film critic at LA Weekly. And when I'm not kicking butt, I'm hosting the new Maximum Fun podcast, Switchblade Sisters. Do you love genre films? Do you love female filmmakers? Do you love discussions on craft? If your answer is yes, you'll love Switchblade Sisters. Every episode, I invite one female filmmaker on, and we talk in-depth about their fave genre film and how it influenced their own work. So we're talking horror, action, sci-fi, fantasy, bizarro, and exploitation cinema. Mothers, lock up your sons, because the Switchblade sisters are coming for you. Available at MaximumFun.org or wherever you find your podcasts.